<sighs> it's a nice, lovely day here in San Diego. Why does it feel like I forgot to do something? Ah, shit, the podcast. Um, hi, I'm Joel Garcia. Welcome to the Pop Culture Shuffle. Music. On today's show, I have a few things to talk about. First up, Netflix and Panic. Then, Spring Football is back. But why? And finally, my brief thoughts on the cancellations of Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow. But first, let's Netflix and Panic. If you're listening to this podcast, it is safe to assume you subscribe to at least one streaming service or another. Would it be Spotify, or maybe something like, say, Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, or Prime Video? The reason I bring that up involves Netflix. You might have recently heard that apparently they lost 200,000 subscribers, and they're apparently about to lose 2 million more. Now, of course, this has led to a lot of chaos, in which people are wondering what's going to happen to Netflix, considering how powerful Netflix has been as a streaming service. Then again, that power has caused it to dilute itself. When Netflix first came out as a DVD rental service, it was seen as simply trying to compete with Blockbuster. And for a while, that was the thing. Let's say you want to watch Top Gun, but you can't find the disc at Blockbuster. Order from Netflix, and you have it right there. And then you just send it back, and they'll give you another one. And then eventually, as time went on, they launched a streaming service. Which essentially killed Blockbuster as a store, because... Why would you go out to rent something if you could just find it online? Legally, of course. And eventually, Netflix would make their own original content, starting with the... Well, now hard to watch, House of Cards. But here comes the problem. A lot of the content they relied on in their early years is all but gone. Sure, they still have their Netflix originals, but now you see that most of the content they used to proudly brag about having are now gone to their own streaming services. Is it fair to blame Netflix for this? No. I just saw a report on NBC News in which they talked about the reasons why this happened. Now the ones they blame primarily were just the fact that inflation has caused prices to go up, which presumably would have meant that for a lot of families, when it comes to cutting down on costs, they might just see the Netflix subscription as something that's not necessarily worth it anymore. Another one that was brought up was the fact that pandemic rules have started to lighten up. So nowadays, the reasons for staying indoors are now all but gone. So people are now going out more, rather than staying home and watching Netflix. And of course, the third one, and the one that's pretty hard to ignore, everybody has a streaming service. Now when Netflix came around, I think the only competition it might have had was Hulu. But nowadays, you have in addition to Hulu, there's Disney+, ESPN+, HBO Max, Prime Video, Discovery+, and I might be missing 50 more. I've seen tweets people comparing the number of streaming services around to essentially saying, oh, it's just cable TV again. Which I would disagree, because cable TV is at the very least a good reception. 
Another thing I've seen people bring up, and it's something that even Saturday Night Live joked about a few years ago, was that Netflix has way too much stuff. With the most frequent statement being, quantity over quality. Which is fair, because when you look at Netflix, they just dump out a lot of shows, and sometimes when you want to watch something, you wind up seeing something else. It's like going to Costco and thinking you're going to buy this one thing, but then you leave with half the store. I have seen several shows come on Netflix, and you probably know this as well, in which they premiere with a huge fanfare, but then are either immediately cancelled, or just last two seasons. There are several shows I can bring up that started with so much potential, and then crashed and burned. Such as The Get Down, Toucan Birdie, and Sense8. Now some of these shows are really good, and others are of debatable quality. And yes, I'm aware Toucan Birdie moves the Cartoon Network's Adult Swim, but that's besides the point. The problem is that there's just too much stuff to watch on Netflix. And like I said, Saturday Night Live joked about this. I have seen people online praise a bunch of Netflix animated series, while also chastising Netflix's animation tactics. The more frequent criticism I've heard is their bizarre order strategy in which they order 65 episodes of a TV show, but then split that apart into 5 TV seasons of 13 episodes. Now 13 episodes is in line with the standard episode order for a season for Netflix, but the problem comes down that they order those 65 episodes and nothing else. They're essentially ordering an entire syndicated package and hoping that they never get a renewal for more episodes, because that would cost them money have to pay the people who work on them a bit more. And other studios have done the same thing. I'm aware that a show on HBO Max that I brought before, Jellystone, technically started airing its second season, but it's actually the second half of the first season. I'm just gonna say this as well. When it comes to Netflix shows, I've barely watched any. Like, I think the last big thing I watched on Netflix was Black Mirror. And for the most part, that's about it. Even then, like, the only other thing I think I could recall watching was maybe Buddy Thunderstruck, and other than that, just Sailor Moon Eternal the movie. You'd think that I would like to watch something else on Netflix, but the problem is... No. Like, the one thing I watched the most on Netflix way back then were the Star Trek shows, which are no longer on the service. That is not to say that Netflix has produced a lot of quality programming that has done well at the Emmys, the Golden Globes, the Oscars. It just doesn't appeal to me. Even before the entire controversy with House of Cards, I never cared for it. Stranger Things was, well, depressing. And I only watched the first episode, and I couldn't tell who was who. And when it comes to the get down, if you're wasting millions of dollars on every episode and not even bothering to finish shooting live-action scenes having to fill out with animation, fuck you. Netflix is a good service. They have a lot of great content and for the most part, have a lot of shows and films that you'll probably never see on any other service. But then again, there are a bunch of shows and films that may be on that service, but you'll probably never watch them. Sure, you might check out Bridgerton or Russian Doll, but are you interested in checking out things like The Marked Heart, White Hot The Rise and Fall of Amber Crombie and Fitch, or 
Selling Sunset? As for Netflix offering a version of their service with ads, I'm not sure that could work. While some services offer a relatively cheap tier with ads, such as Paramount+, Plus, Peacock, and HBO Max, it would be hard to justify with something like Netflix. Considering how their shows and films are often made with the idea that you're not going to stop watching these shows and there's no commercial break. The idea that a Netflix original series or film would have a proper commercial break would just come across as weird. So you're not going to see a situation in which we have, we'll be right back with more of Stranger Things after the break. It also raises a question of how far will Netflix go to keep funding their shows. Will the next Squid Game be sponsored by Coca-Cola? Will the next episode of Black Mirror be all about the horrors of Arby's, sponsored by McDonald's? Or will the next season of Is It Cake be sponsored by Pillsbury? Only time will tell what happens to Netflix in the foreseeable future. I don't think they'll shut down or collapse anytime soon. Netflix will of course try their crazy ideas, but it all comes down to the fact that they really need to make sure that the content they're making is actually being seen by enough people. And of course, not to make a TV show and then abruptly cancel it. Because there have been several TV shows that have premiered on Netflix, only to then crash and burn. All I will say for now is that I see Netflix will come out of this on a positive note. The service could primarily still have their own original shows, some independent productions, such as, say, Pokemon and Power Rangers, so I think it's fine for now. After all, Netflix still has a bunch of subscribers. It's not going to abruptly shut down like Quibi or CNN+. Plus. As for me, well, if something is available to watch on Netflix, I'll gladly check it out. Otherwise, I'll go back to binge-watching shows on Hulu, like, say, The Golden Girls. Finally, you probably noticed something back on TV for the first time in several decades. The USFL. If you've never heard of the USFL, fair enough. The USFL is also known as the United States Football League. It was originally a league that happened in the spring in the 80s. Now at the time, it had no interest in competing with the NFL, considering that the league would take place primarily during the spring and summer season, which is normally the NFL's off-season. It did relatively well for a few seasons, only to shut down due to 1. A loss of money, 2. A lawsuit with the NFL, And three, well, owners who wanted to move the league to the fall, and that's all I'll say for now about that. If you want more information, I recommend checking out the 30 for 30 documentary, Small Potatoes, Who Killed the USFL, which is available to stream on ESPN+. Now, spring football is nothing new. In fact, there have been several attempts at bringing back spring football. There was an attempt in the 90s with the World League of American Football, then you had the NFL Europe, which did relatively well for a few years, but then of course you had the XFL, twice, and of course the Alliance of American Football, which included the San Diego Fleet. 
Now, there's a lot of things you could say about spring football and why it could and could not work. In my opinion, spring football just doesn't work because, well, when you look at what's happening during the spring and summer versus the fall, there's a reason why the NFL has been able to thrive where it is. Normally, when the NFL season takes place, it starts off at the tail end of the regular season for Major League Baseball, and by that point in time, the only other thing that we competing against it would just be, say, the end of the NASCAR season, and of course, college football, which for the most part takes place on different days and times. With spring football, on the other hand, you have to take on... NCAA basketball, especially March Madness, the start of the MLB season, NASCAR, the NHL, and the NBA. The NHL and NBA also start off during the NFL season, but for the most part, things don't pick up at those leagues until, say, after the holidays. Another factor to consider with these type of leagues is simply that, well, they feature a lot of no-name players. Sometimes you might see one or two players who played in the NFL, but they tend to be the people who say, oh, they were the third backup player, or were on the practice squad. And sometimes you get to see a player who made it in college, but went nowhere in the NFL. Just looking at, say, the USFL roster, I think the biggest name is Paxton Lynch, who played a few games with the Broncos. And I know that for some players, this is their big chance to say, let me show the NFL teams how good I am and maybe they'll sign me up. I get that. The problem comes down to the fact that with most of these players, well, their type of play is boring. When I watch an NFL game, I know that I'll be ready to watch something exciting. Well, unless it's a blowout. But when it comes to these spring football leagues, no matter what they try, such as having mics on the players, or say, oh look, a new camera angle, it just never works. You could say it's probably say, oh, nobody's watching, oh, nobody goes to the games, oh, there's a pandemic, but sometimes it just doesn't work at all. I don't know, it's just that, again, spring football to me just doesn't click. When it comes to say, what am I going to watch during the spring in sports, it's mostly NASCAR, baseball, and, well, the playoffs for both hockey and the NBA. I don't think of football that much, and even when I do, it's say, oh, the draft, oh, the schedule announcement. Those, of course, are big draws, because with the NFL draft, we get to see what college player will be joining what team. With the schedule release, sure, it's something very basic and stupid, but it'll be great to see, oh, when are we going to see these games, and where and what network. But then you have, say, these spring football leagues in which we have a bunch of no-name football players who maybe peaked in college, but then never made it into the NFL, or if they did, barely played. Maybe it's just the fact that I have no interest in spring football. And even when we had a spring football team here in San Diego with the fleet, I barely cared. Could spring football ever succeed? Probably. It all depends on how it's promoted, where it's played, and if there's enough appeal for it. Yes, there is an opening for any football league to just come in, say, between the months of February to August, but it all comes down to whether or not they can get the attention they want. When it comes to the USFL, I'll gladly watch it. 
But when it comes to a situation in which, say, either I could watch that or, say, Padres or NASCAR, I'll gladly take either one of the latter two. Now, if you're someone who really wants to watch spring football, games air every weekend on the networks of NBC, USA, Peacock, Fox, and FS1. Finally, let's talk about the CW and the DC superhero shows. Now, when it comes to the DC shows, I previously talked about how much I really stopped watching The Flash. Now, the reason I bring this up is not because of The Flash itself, but because of two other shows in the same universe. As of this recording, it was announced that the CW has cancelled two of the DC shows, Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow. Since both shows have already gone off the air, as their finales aired a few weeks ago, let's talk about them, starting off with Legends of Tomorrow. Unlike other superhero shows, Legends of Tomorrow didn't exactly focus on any one superhero in particular. Instead it focused on the supporting characters from both Arrow and The Flash getting together and traveling through time. Now on paper, that sounds like a really good idea, since you have characters like, say, Sarah Lance from Arrow and Captain Cold from The Flash working together to travel through time and save the day. But eventually, you reach a point in which there are too many characters to follow, and you bring in characters who weren't on either show, and then they're just stuck there. And when it comes to characters from both Flash and Arrow, it just felt like the writers didn't know what to do with these characters, and rather than say, find something for them to do, they just threw them on this show as a standby. So if, say, the Flash needs Captain Cold, uh, he's over there, get him. And it was at that point in which I just gave up on the show. I barely made it through two seasons, and outside of the occasional crossover, I stopped watching. And I'm honestly glad it got cancelled. Because despite the fact that the entire idea was it didn't focus on any one hero, that was also the show's biggest problem. Because rather than be focusing on, say, oh, this one particular person, no, we're focusing on an ensemble team, none of which exactly stood out. It was a problem with Legends of Tomorrow, in which if you've never watched either The Flash or Arrow and decided to watch this show, you'd be asking yourself, who the fuck are these people and what the fuck is going on? I don't have much else to say about Legends of Tomorrow, so let's move on to Batwoman. It's unfortunate how much controversy befell this show. If you look at the show as just a TV show, you'll see a decent storyline about someone trying to protect Gotham City after Bruce Wayne abandoned it. But then you look at everything around the show and it just makes for this dark cloud over the whole thing making it very difficult to enjoy unless you intentionally ignore it. I could go on and on and make multiple episodes about every single little problem, from the casting of Ruby Rose, the fan backlash at the casting, how her first appearance featured her beating up both the Flash and Arrow in an intentionally symbolic move. Then you have the show itself premiering and the entire behind-the-scenes scandal that happened over how production injuries led to Ruby Rose quitting the show after one season. 
A season that itself, like every other show at the time, was impacted by the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. And believe it or not, that was the least of the show's concerns. Then when season 2 rolled around, there was a whole scandal involving casting Jabicia Leslie as Batwoman, the COVID-19 pandemic canceling a crossover that would have featured Batwoman meeting up with Superman, and of course the back and forth fight between Ruby Rose and Warner Brothers, essentially burning the bridge that would have had her come back to the show. Unlike Legends of Tomorrow, which I at least made it through two seasons, I only got through two episodes of Batwoman. Not for lack of trying, mind you. I personally had nothing against this series. I support any Batman production, whether or not it features the Cape Crusader, because of course, it's a Batman show. In the same way that say Batman Beyond is not about Bruce Wayne, but it does feature Batman. The unfortunate thing was that Batwoman just didn't work for the time I wanted to see it, because it aired Sunday nights at 8, and well, I already watched another show at 8 o'clock on Sunday nights. The Simpsons, in case you're wondering. It also just came down to not being able to catch up with the series, because by the time I got the first season on Blu-ray, the show had changed so much that it just felt pointless to try and catch up. I watched an episode on the Blu-ray, and then I wound up selling it. And it's a shame because I really wanted to watch this show, but it just kept changing so many times, and the behind-the-scenes controversies just, well, really alienated me from it. It was basically becoming like Two and a Half Men, a sitcom that started out really well, but had so many problems that it really caused the show to decline in quality. Now to wrap up this segment, it is unfortunate for fans of either Legends of Tomorrow or Batwoman that the shows have ended. Right now, fans of both shows will have to hope that somehow, their stories will be resolved over on The Flash. It's unfortunate that these shows get cancelled without any type of resolution. It'd be one thing if, say, the show knew in advance that it was their final season and they could prepare for a conclusion, but it's another to set things up for a finale and thinking, we'll be back next season and explain everything, and then be told you're fired. So unfortunately, the only thing I can say to fans of both shows is that I hope they get some closure over on The Flash. Both DC's Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman are available to own on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. Legends of Tomorrow is available to stream on Netflix, while Batwoman is available to stream on HBO Max. That is all the time we have for today's show. If you would like to know when the next episode comes out, remember to follow or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite stream provider. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at MrJoelGarcia9. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>